Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Emotion and logic are two things that don't necessarily work well together, but it influences our behavior and our decision making, right? And I'm talking in all aspects of our lives, not just when making financial decisions. Yeah, when you look at, and we'll, we'll start with the financial part, when you look at what's happening in the markets and all this gyration, the jitters kick in, there's an emotional reaction. The election that we just had, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that caused a reaction. This pandemic, there's a right. reaction. You know, there's so many things that go on that, that people have this, this kind of reaction. And, and so how do you kind of work between the, the, the worlds of emotion and logic? And, <laughs> and can and, you, right? And can you? <laughs> can you? Well, we don't know the answer to that question, but we think we know somebody that does. Okay, let's go for All it. All right. We've got Dr. Bryn Weingard back with us uh, again today, and we're happy to have her. She's a business brain expert. Um, Dr. Bryn, we've got, we've got to try to address this idea of the of the logic-emotion connection, if there is one. So let me just start with a <clears throat> maybe a really straightforward question that may not have a straightforward answer. If somebody gets themselves into an emotional state, can they use or can somebody external to them use logic to help overcome that? It's a great question, Dave, and the short answer is no, they can't. Uh, what, you know, <laughs> one of the things that we know to be true, and I know you and we've talked about before, is the fact that the subconscious brain, we think, is about 99% of processing altogether. And in that subconscious are the emotional centers of the brain. Now, that 1% that, that I'm not talking about is where we think most logical rational thought happens. And if right. you're a fan of, as an example, economist David Kahneman, what you would find out is that, you know, there is a system one and a system two that he talks about. He says, basically, system two is what I'm going to call the conscious part, the 1% of processing. System one is that subconscious stuff that is highly schematic. It's highly rote. It's very error prone, but it's also where emotion lies. And so what I sometimes joke on stage, or I'll tell you now, is that in the David and Goliath fight between the conscious and the non-conscious, Goliath wins every time. And so what we see is that, in fact, the subconscious will override what we think are conscious, rational, logical centers of the brain always. And one of the things that I often ask people to do as an exercise to understand how this really works You've often changed your mind before. So if you show up to the ice cream parlor and they have chocolate and ice cream and you show up thinking, yeah, I'm definitely going in for chocolate, but then you see how good the, the vanilla looks, you may well order that vanilla. You changed your mind before. However, if I show up to you in the midst of an emotional you know, overthrow and you're, you're frustrated, you're irritated, you're angry, you're feeling hostile, and I said, okay now, but just, just, just change that, will you? Just stop feeling what you're feeling. There's no way to do that. And so, you know, you know what you're feeling. You're not going to change it. In fact, you're more likely to want to hit me than you are to change how you're feeling, irritated, <laughs> hostile, whatever. And so what we know is that a lot of that conscious, logical, rational stuff is happening in, yeah, a few neurons that are easy to sort of toggle how they work. The emotional stuff is a lot more visceral. And so by that, I literally mean physiological as well. So it involves the whole body and its neuromolecular processes. And so when we look at that, you know, you can change your mind pretty easily. Very hard to change how you feel. So, uh oh. So, uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. So, you know, what, what's one thing that an individual do, can do to kind of identify that they're having a visceral reaction, 
not a, well, this is just logical. So I'll give you an example. Dave walks in that ice cream shop. He wants that chocolate ice cream. But he's in an angry mood walking into that, 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 uh, that store, and he knows he's having chocolate, and someone says vanilla. And how does he know that he's having a visceral reaction as he's walking into the store before the reaction actually happens? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the ways is that you physically feel it. So you will feel it physically through your whole self. It won't just be something that is cerebral that, you know, you can cognitively, objectively mull over. And the second is that you will feel probably fairly physically uncomfortable. And so one of the things that I often say is that emotions are functional in the sense that they are designed to make you feel uncomfortable enough to act in your own self-interest. And so what that is, is really a a biological imperative to feel so uncomfortable, you'll do something about it for yourself. And so you will know you're in an emotional state if you physically feel uncomfortable, whereas logical information doesn't typically engage to the point where, in rational thought as an example, doesn't typically engage you so physically that you feel uncomfortable. You're not uncomfortable yet. You're still just mauling over facts. So we know that it hasn't reached emotional centers. You're not feeling viscerally, physiologically, you know, it's not got there yet if you're not feeling physically, physically uncomfortable. At the beginning of this, uh, this segment, we were talking about some external issues that have come up, the pandemic, an election, mm-hmm. markets falling back and forth. Um, we, there are people that react to these things where they don't have control over it. Um, you know, normally walking into a, an ice cream shop and you know you're in a bad mood or something's happened to you, you know why you're having a reaction. But there are times where things happen in your life that you don't know why you're having this reaction. How do you, how do you kind of get your head around the fact that, you know, I'm having a reaction to something that maybe not be the thing that I'm having a reaction to? So I'll, I'll give an example. In the recent federal election, we had people come up to us and have the most weirdest conversations with us about what could happen in this world because of this election, and it didn't make any logical sense. I am confused when they talk to me about this stuff, but they actually have this visceral reaction. So how do you how do you determine that the topic that you're having about is the reason for the reaction versus something else? Uh, it's that's challenging, and we do see, to your point, a lot of bleed in terms of where we think there are false causal relationships or false causal understandings about where this emotion resonated from or or originated from, Uh, to your point, you know, when we see that start to happening, that's, that, you know, is basically an example of polarized thinking, of catastrophic thinking, that's definitely a person who's thoroughly engaged in their emotional centers. And those false causal relationships or those, you know, what we would sort of think heuristically, that seems like two things are connected that are not connected. That is typically those errors we start to see go up when someone is particularly stressed or under duress. And so the brain under duress or under VUCA circumstances, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous circumstances, starts to do and associate things differentially and frankly, fairly unpredictably. We don't know exactly where those thought patterns will go. But what it is, is that discomfort, that emotion, it's energy. And that energy has to go somewhere. And so humans are wonderful at trying to rationalize why they're feeling what they're feeling. And they'll look for anything in their environment and try to marry it or map it on to try to understand why do I feel so uncomfortable. I think, Dr. Brennan, we're going to explore in the next segment a little bit about some things uh, that people might be able to do, right? So I can certainly think in my own life where things have come up and I've gone to the really dark place, right? You go to that extreme thinking and 
you know, almost never does the extreme happen. So are there, you know, are there things that, that people can do either internally uh, or perhaps guys like you and me? Like if we're dealing with somebody in an emotional state that, um, you know, financial or whatever, there's some trigger there. Is there something that we can do to help support that emotional yeah. state to get them back to a place of a balance or mm-hmm. you know a, a peace of mind or whatever the case may be? So the question is, when we get into those situations where we're feeling emotional, as an example, if markets are falling, we often get asked the question, or people are calling in panic, that my whole retirement is, is doomed. It's ruined. Right. Yeah. So we've gone to that very dark place. <clears throat> How do you get out of that, right? How do you... How do you uh, manage that? And can people like you and me on an external basis help facilitate a recovery out of that sort of panic mode into something that's, uh, that's calmer? Now, to help us, because you and I don't know the answer to that question, <laughs> we're hoping Dr. Bryn does. Dr. Bryn Weingart, who's a business brain expert, a recurring guest on the show, is uh, uh, graciously agreed to stick around for a second segment. We know a bit about the problem now, Dr. Bryn. But let's see if we can start to address some of the solutions. So maybe you can frame it for us. I'm not sure if I did a very good job there of, you know, out, uh, outlining what you told us in that first segment and where people end up in this sort of immer- emotional turmoil. Um, but give us a sense of uh, how, how do we, how can we get ourselves out of this if we end up in, a, in an emotional place that's not very good, right? That's affecting us negatively. Absolutely. No, I think you did a great job, Dave, in terms of describing the problem, right? In this David and Goliath fight between the subconscious emotional centers and the conscious logical, you know, tiny little centers that of the brain that are able to take in objective fact and make decisions, Goliath wins every time. There's a part of the brain that's going to overtake all decision making. You will end up in catastrophic thinking. You will end up very highly polarized and it will feel uncomfortable. You'll be emotional about it. You know, when we look at the human brain's imperatives, one of the things we see is that it's, it's fundamentally designed to amass capital. And historically, that meant social capital. But anymore, that also means financial capital. And we understand that financial capital is also time, right? Time and money are the two things. And so we start to see that, you know, people will have real emotional, visceral responses to anything they think threatens either their time or money. And money is a lot more tangible of those two things. And so then what we see is that, you know, let's pretend you're dealing with somebody who's in the throes of catastrophic thinking, you know, panic levels. Really, the first thing to do is to normalize it so that they don't feel as though you are, especially as an advisor, as an example, you are completely removed from it as if you have no idea where they're coming from. So if what you can do is sort of use language to describe the fact that you do understand where they're coming from. That doesn't just allow for empathy and the activation of what we, you know, the mere neuron system was just exactly as it sounds. It's the center that then allows them to gain liking and trust with you. But that also allows them then to normalize how they're feeling. So it sets a base level, whereas we say, you know, that person then doesn't feel so out of control. When they are able to do that, then we can, after we've set that baseline of normalization, we can socialize the idea. And so one of the things I talk about a lot is this idea that, you know, you should be activating the the social parts of the brain. But that allows through the mirror neuron systems that you're also, you're also then seeing other perspectives. And so if you deal with people you like and potentially trust, they will give you different perspectives. So hopefully you like and trust your advisor. And it is the job of the advisor to be liked and trusted. And so what you're doing then is saying, listen, here is another perspective. Here's another way of looking at that. 
the way to approach it is almost never with data, facts, logic, right? Those aren't going to work because the Goliath is winning. The emotional centers have overridden everything else in, in that human brain. And so then the way that we do that is through very human means. So we describe it in social language and social appeals using very, you know, earnest, honest kind of just being a human in the environment is sort of an approach that will then help them see different perspectives and activate parts of their brain that are the only parts of the brain that can override emotional emotional reactions, things like the mirror neuron system. So that that's the part of the brain that we really want to create, uh, you know, a connection with. And the only way to do that is in person. And so one of the best ways too is to deal, you often hear that someone will call you in a panic and then you try to troubleshoot that over the phone. And the best thing to do is give yourself time and opportunity to actually see that person physically. And so, you know, the mirror neuron system, the only thing really that can overpower a, an emotional reaction is really most active. It really only works human to human in person. We say meeting face to face is, is seeing eye to eye, is the meeting of the minds, right? And so that's one way, certainly, as an advisor, that you can help somebody through what is a panic state. So that, that was great in regards to helping us help our clients or help people. How does someone do it for themselves? How does someone actually go through this where they're having a, a visceral reaction? How do they actually, uh, I'm going to use the words, calm themselves down, sure. bring yeah. them back to a more centered focus on, on what, what's important in their lives? I think there's a lot of people who have reactions, but don't reach out and talk to anybody about it. Right. So how would, how would we know as advisors or uh, people in the public know about this stuff? I think it's where, where you're having these kind of reactions on yourself. How do you actually calm yourself down or how do you get that, those? What are the next steps to do that? Yeah, it's such a great question. Uh, you know, the first, I think, is forewarned is forearmed. It's the idea that, okay, I'm physically uncomfortable. I'm having definitely having an emotion here. And my emotions are not bad. I don't need to push them down, bottle them up. They are functional. They're designed to help me act in my own self-interest. But my own self-interest in this moment is maybe not best informed by a panic state. And so what we often say is to get uncomfortable or comfortable rather with the uncomfortable. Sit with negative emotions for a while. In fact, most emotions are negative, unfortunately. Sit with them for a while so that you can get some perspective, so you can get a handle on them. If emotions are controlling you, they are likely not acting in your own best interest. However, they are informative. They inform us about what we think at the subconscious levels, at the part of the brain that is making decisions. It informs us what it is that is important to us that will be in our own self-interest. Now, sitting with the discomfort for a while will also allow you time and space from those emotions, which allows you to do something we call the objectification of emotions. Objectifying emotions are really important and really helpful because what it allows is that you, it's almost as if, and the way I sometimes envision this myself, is it's almost as if you're taking that discomfort of that uncomfortable thing, you're naming it something, and you're able then to pull it out of yourself and look at it more objectively. Now that can happen through a series of medium and mechanisms. And one of my favorite isn't just sitting there ruminating on your own, but it's to talk about it. And so, you know, no different than the talk therapies that are 100 years old, but the idea that you would activate your social brain, talk to somebody who's not necessarily even with a vested interest, maybe not your financial advisor, but somebody who you trust, who you know, who's going to help you give an, another perspective, but is also going to activate 80% of all, all neural networks, which are the social networks. And so that will help you feel less uncomfortable, feel more, more comfortable, name the emotions, and figure out what your next steps are in terms of how to actually conceptualize this which then allows you to organize your thinking enough to ask the right questions of your advisor, right? You often have heard the adage that you're, you know, the quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of the questions you ask. 
if you approach your advisor as an emotional investor without good questions, without properly arming yourself, then you've done yourself a disservice. And so you want to have that kind of distance and objectivity in order to be able then to approach with the right questions to get a handle on the fact that, yeah, you're threatened and probably legitimately feeling like you feel threatened. It's probably very legitimate. Now we need to ask the questions to help ourselves figure out a long-term plan for how we are going to act in our own self-interest functionally. Dr. Bryn, you were mentioned that we should be sitting in this, this emotion for a while to kind of just take a step back. Um, how long is a while? Yeah, it's such a good question. Every person is different. And one of my favorite things, too, is to say there is this mind-body disconnect in the sense that whenever the brain is active is the only time that the typically anyway, the, whenever the body is active rather is typically the only time the brain is really able to rest and opposite is when you're sleeping as an example is when your brain really comes awake people don't think that that's counterintuitive so i advocate for two things and it's usually one sleep that's the old adage the old ones are the best right sleep on it so sleep on it because your brain will neuroplastically figure out what it needs to throughout those eight hours that are will are going to help you with that objectivity in real time the best advice i have is to physically move you know yourself, if you're physically feeling uncomfortable, it often helps to move. But I'm going to give you a neural, neural basis for it, which is that the time that the brain actually has to rest and rewire and replenish some of its neurochemistry that's important for emotional regulation is during movement, physical movement. So I often, it doesn't have to be, you know, HIIT, run a marathon, just get up and start moving. And I say that has to be at least 15 minutes. Those 15 minutes will be critical, not only for replenishing the right neurochemistry to help you think clearly, decreasing your emotion, re-regulating sympathetic nervous activity, your physiology, et cetera, but it's also going to allow you just enough time to be able to sort of physically calm down, physiologically calm down enough to be able to think, think on it newly. So at least 15 minutes while moving, please sleep on it, but that's the idea is that you're taking at least one sleep because that's when the magic of the brain happens is during sleep to try to regulate, you know, how it is that you're thinking, what, what those emotions really meant for you. Yeah. So you see, Dave, whenever you talk to me, I get up, I run away yeah, I for about that. 15 minutes yeah. and I come back and just, I'm just, <laughs> just calming calm. myself down. Calm down. I, I'm right. going to have a conversation with Popovich. I got to calm down. So this is, this is a good, good idea. See? You know, <laughs> listen, if, if the goal is peace of mind, certainly that's what we talk about with that's people, right. right? If the goal of, is peace of mind, then I think Dr. Bryn has given us one, of, I think, a really, really good insight as to why we might get out of that peaceful space. Sure. But two, that we can. We actually can control that to some extent. A bit of patience, a bit of discipline, right? A bit of structure in the way we do that. And we can, we can calm ourselves, and you and I can help in that, in that role. That's right. I think that's been a really powerful two segments, uh, Dr. Bryn, and I want to thank you for sharing that. Um, with us and with our listeners and our viewers, because I think that's absolutely critical. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. We've been joined by Dr. Bryn Weingard, and uh, she's a business brain expert, but much more than that. I think that's some really practical steps that we can take advantage of. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.